You know what? That's the problem with having sound people on the stage. Because it doesn't work. That was fun. Gina got a crash course in podcasting. So much great. Okay, welcome, girls. I'm so, ex- I'm so stoked about tonight. It's going to be so great. One of my favorite subjects. Everybody's favorite subject. Sex. <laughs> oh, it's so great. This is so wonderful. My name's Shelby, in case you don't know my name. Did anybody not know my name? That's good. JB. It's not. And the woman who gave birth to me 23 years ago raised her hand. Thank you. Thank you for supporting me. That's all right. Yeah, if you don't know my name, then you probably don't know her name. Her name's Deb. Or maybe you do know her. I don't know. But I'm Shelby. I'm so excited about getting to talk to you guys about sex. Um, don't know a lot. I'm not married. And so I've never done it. <laughs> However, I do know a lot about the t- temptation of sex. And I do know a lot about waiting and about being a girl and dealing with it. So this is my knowledge, and this is kind of what I've accumulated over 23 years. And um, whatever, since puberty, when I was like 11, when I got my period or something. This is, this is how far I've come. We're going to talk, well, you know, I might as well start throwing out all the words right now because it's all coming out. So yes, sex is good. I think that obviously a lot of you guys probably are expecting to hear someone get up on stage and tell you in a church that don't do it, it's bad, it's wrong, Um, girls don't ever have sex, don't do it, it's negative, don't even think about it because it's horrible and you'll regret it. But um, actually it's totally not true. Sex is actually a really good thing and so we're trying to look at the positive side of sex and how sex is wonderful. God made sex Um, Obviously, he created it. It was his idea in Genesis. Um, When he created Adam and Eve, you'll see that um, he actually told them the first thing, get busy, do it. Um, Make babies, fill the earth, enjoy each other. And um, Adam basically was unhappy, so God said, well, you need someone to complete you. And so he created a woman, and sex is one of those ways that we complete men, and we make men happy because they're desperate for it all the time. Okay, um, however... Just like our hunger doesn't teach us how to eat nutritionally right, our sexual desires and our wants don't um, teach us how to love well and how to have good relationships. Um, So we need wisdom. Proverbs 19.2 says, Desire without knowledge is not good. And it's true. We all have desires, but we need to have some type of knowledge and wisdom. So here is some of it. Um, First of all, What's the longing of our hearts as girls? I think that's the first thing that we need to kind of like address because our culture tells us a lot about love and about romance and about our sexuality as women. And I think we need to just start by like stripping away all of that stuff and getting to what is it that our hearts really desire and our hearts really long for as women. There's a woman named Paula Reinhart, and she says that the secret longing of every woman's heart is to be wooed and to be won. And um, the knight in shining armor... I mean, all of us, from when we were little kids, we see, like, the Disney movies, and there's always the prince charming, the knight in shining armor that comes and rescues the girl. And, um, yeah, that's, all, that's what our hearts, I mean, think. So, like, what do you think a knight in shining armor is like? And this is where I want you guys to talk. When you imagine when you were little, or even now, you're a knight in shining armor, what does he look like? Just share. It's interesting. 
Number one. <laughs> Isn't he a drug addict? Are you sure? Poetic, but not cheesy. Interesting. Kathy? Absolutely. That pretty much defines a knight in shining armor. Interesting. Anybody else? What characteristics does your knight have in your mind when you picture him? And we all do. Yes? Mm, definitely. Who wants to be with someone who's stupid and doesn't have a good sense of humor? Be very boring, for sure. So your knight comes in telling jokes. Your mom is so fat. No, I'm just kidding. That's just what I imagine was like um, Sleeping Beauty and then the prince coming in going, your mom is so fat. And then you'd be like, oh, just everything I ever wanted. Just how I imagined it. I'm just kidding. I totally agree with you on the sense of humor because, yes. Right. Okay. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that's like at your moment of greatest peril, when you're in the dungeon, right, when the princess is locked in the dungeon and the evil guy is going to take her and try to make you marry him and everything, that he comes in at your moment of need and rescues you because he's perfect like that. Interesting. Cassie? Okay. Cassie does have a thing for black men. Seriously, she's in love with them. Yeah. Nicole likes Indian men, like, right? Like from in the country India, that kind of Indian. Not Gina Indian. Alice? Right. He really, he just gets you. We talk for hours. Rebecca, did you have your hand out? Yes. Wow. Oh. Interesting. Okay, a back row. He would cry on your shoulder, or you would cry on his? Okay, I was going to say. You always want a man that's a little sensitive, but not necessarily weeping on your shoulder. Stephanie? Okay, that's okay. It's, you guys both like people, minorities. Gina? Yeah. All girls are, aren't they? Hey, Pastor Deb. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And he, and he has like a giant vocabulary, right? Mm. Interesting. Tiffany. Definitely. Emily again. Yeah. Definitely. Right. I really agree with you on that one. Okay, a couple more. What row and then you? Okay. Not a jerk. Absolutely. Mm, huge. There is no way that a knight in shining armor would treat you like crap in front of his friends. Yeah, it would definitely not be a knight. That would be evil. Amy? Definitely. That's awesome. Tell? Mm. Absolutely. Everyone wants to be accepted completely for, for who you are, really, truly, deep down. 
without putting on anything, no makeup on, and like, you know, definitely, no matter what, accepted and just loved truly for who you are, being understood. Men want that too. I think men truly do want that. Girls always try to change guys. You can't, for real. So, um, knight in shining armor. I think it's interesting how in our culture, being from little girls, we really do kind of have those things in our mind, and we are, it's good for us to have those things, and really, I, I think that's so smart to try to picture in your mind who your perfect guy would be, and what he would be like, and to get those things in your head, and kind of put guys up to that and see if they even get close but it's really good and healthy and it's so much part of our sexuality as girls to kind of have those dreams of that kind of strong and heroic and understanding and loving and just amazing guy in our minds so um keep i would say keep dreaming about that and keep waiting and looking for that man who is your knight you know there was a thing that happened in america in the late 60s called the sexual revolution and um the definition of a revolution is actually a change for the better. And so the sexual revolution, it changed women's sexuality drastically. Prior to that, women's sexuality was very, very different. And we are all kind of products of post that, because that's our parents' generation, maybe even some of you guys, your grandparents. So we've kind of been raised with those thoughts about women's sexuality, about being really free with ourselves and and um, it's, it was, it's praised, and it was praised during the sexual revolution to have lots of partners, um, just to sleep around with whoever you want, with guys and girls, and just kind of go do whatever. And um, a lot of uh, feminism and stuff like that comes from the sexual revolution. And so people kind of uh, looked at it as uh, a freeing thing. But I just really believe in my heart that the sexual revolution really um, enslaved us. And it actually kind of imprisoned us to something that isn't true to our DNA as women and to our true sexuality. And um, so I'm kind of going to unpack that a little bit tonight. Sexual evolution was not our starting point. It was our settling point. It wasn't the point in which women gained their freedom sexually and were able to finally, you know, burn our bras and just go out and have all these different guys and all this stuff and um, kind of like what, with what we're raised with. But I really do believe that it was when women kind of settled for something that was less than what's de- what they imagined from when they were little kids. And I think that it's just what's built into us. No one imagines, um, no one dreams when they're little or when they're playing house of, um, you know, oh, I just can't wait to have all these different guys, you know, have sex with me and then leave me or tell me that they love me and then, you know, stop calling me after I give in or... Um, you know, just go through one after another, guys, and someday get married, and then, you know, have a di- get a divorce, and then get married again. No one dreams of that. I mean, what we really desire in our hearts, and I believe men and women really desire in their hearts, is to have um, one exclusive, amazing love in their lives, that person who really understands them, that person who fulfills what they imagine and kind of completes them. And um, it's totally biblical because God designed it that way, and it's also, I think, just if we really break it down, it's... It's what's in our hearts. Otherwise, we wouldn't all buy into all the romance movies and all of the stuff like that because we all just desire it. We all think it's possible and that it can happen, and we see it happen in people's lives all the time. So I think we need to have a new sexual revolution. I think that we need to have an actual sexual revolution for the better and our generation change it and kind of take back our sexuality and not believe um, the lies that have kind of been propagated to us through media and through um, through our parents even. We've seen what happened with the sexual revolution with our parents' lives. We've seen what messes they made out of them. Um, 
and I think that we can do better, and I think that we should desire better for ourselves. So I read this book recently called Doing Things Right in Matters of the Heart, and it really impacted me. It's about um, biblical femininity and biblical masculinity, and it, it's very conservative, uh, even conservative for me, and I'm very conservative, but I really enjoyed it. And there's this um, really interesting thing that I wanted to read to you. The man who wrote this actually works at uh, pregnancy crisis centers, and he, he deals with a lot of um, girls who come in. And so it makes sense. He's dealt and he counts with a lot of people, and he kind of has some insight. But it's interesting. He says, um, I stumbled upon this one day when four 20-something women, good friends, arrived at the pregnancy center. Two of them needed a pregnancy test. They chatted together, trying not to be nervous, while the other two tried to be supportive. Where are those rascally men in your life, I asked whimsically. The eyes went up and around. Smirks and nods were duly given and received. The hurt, the sense of abandonment, the disgust came pouring out. It was all so confusing to them. They weren't victims. They were co-conspirators in their own destruction. They had learned from the culture how to dress and talk and put out. But it was supposed to lead somewhere other than to a pregnancy center, wasn't it? When all fell silent, I rolled my chair over to them and asked, how would you like me to tell you how to form a healthy, tender, passionate, enduring, mutually satisfying relationship with a man? They looked up with searching eyes and hungry hearts. They could not express what exactly they were looking for in all their flurry of actions. They had read glamour and the rest of that stuff. They had been dressing up, going out, luring male attention, and controlling the situation according to all the tips and techniques suggested from those sage literary advices, um, sources. It seemed to work at first, and then it proved hard and soon impossible to control. At some point, they lost sight of what it was they wanted and began thinking about only what they should settle for. The idea of a prince charming is deep within the female heart. A knight in shining armor and all things uh, chivalrous remains a burning, pleasurable metaphor for what the heart wants. Like a coal, it may smolder under a heap of cold ash. The spent remains of many reckless decisions regarding matters of the heart, but it burns nonetheless. And it's so true. I just think it's amazing. Just like what they were saying about our culture. It's very interesting when they're talking about like the magazines and what the media had shown them how to dress and how to act to lure a man. And we're fed that garbage every single day. I mean, when we wake up, I mean, every ad, everything is how we can make ourselves more attractive to sexually appeal to men. I just want you to realize, do you see how the same culture that tells us that, um, that we're supposed to be in control of our sexuality and that we're supposed to break off the chains of what um, people try to tell us we have to be, that it's the same culture that's enslaving us, that it's the same culture that's actually putting us in chains because they're the ones who are telling us, they're the ones giving us the advice, like the, the magazines and MTV and all these sources that are telling us you need to look like this to attract a man or if you don't have this, you're not good enough and how sexy you have to be outwardly to try to get men. And So I'm just saying that the same culture that's constantly telling us to be free and saying that people like me are, in, are enslaved or I'm just, you know, stupid for the way I am. It's the same culture that actually is putting people in chains and telling girls how they have to be. You know, I, I found it interesting. I read a, a statistic recently. This is a little graphic, but um, it said the fastest-growing cosmetic procedure in America is labiaplasty, which is a procedure of, you know, girls' parts, uh, your labia, lips on your vagina. And... Um, the reason for that is, is because of pornography, because the pornography industry is so prevalent that girls are even seeing these things and they feel subconscious that they're not perfect down there. And all these porn stars have the surgery too, trying to make themselves look just right. And so it's the fastest growing plastic surgery in America. Just to physically look right, to look pretty, perfect, down there. That, to me, it's like, wow. I mean, that's, 
really something that not only just up here, but we feel like we ha- as women, we have to be just look just right because, you know, what's a guy going to think because of our exposure to so much sexuality and what our standards are of beauty? It's crazy. I mean, is Victoria's Secret, like, the underwear, is it for us? Or, I mean, are the ads for guys? Or I think it's aimed at us. I don't think that that many men are buying Victoria's Secret underwear. I think the sexy ads are actually aimed at women because we, wanna, we always compare ourselves to other women and how we look and how we stack up and if we're sexy and if we can attract men. And it's part of our nature, but it's exploited. It's exploited in a lot of ways. How do you view yourself? How, how do you look at yourself I also heard a statistic the other day that was really cool. It said that women underestimate their beauty, like how beautiful they are, and men overestimate their attractiveness. So, and it's true, right? They said that a lot of girls, they don't try to get more attractive guys because they don't think they're really that good looking. But actually, they really are better looking than what they think of themselves. And, but guys are so egotistical that they think that they're hot and they try to go with these hot babes and they're not, you know, come on. It's true. Think about the guys you know at school with who they like. Most guys, some guys don't. Some people are realistic with themselves. But most girls have their subconscious. They don't think they're that great. And most guys do overestimate themselves. I've seen it time and time again. Yeah. Um, but yeah, how, just how do you view yourself? Do you see yourself as being a sexual person? We should be aware of our sexuality as girls. Um, you know, our grandma's generations, they were taught, you know, you shouldn't enjoy sex or you shouldn't uh, think about it and whatever. And we're kind of coming off a different view of that. And I mean, really, the purity isn't puritanism. It's not having sex with sheets in between us. Um, we should be totally in control of our sexuality and be proud of it and be um, aware of it. There's nothing wrong with uh, understanding your sexuality and embracing it. Uh, it's just like everything, channeling it for good and not for bad, because we all are bad, and we all go bad so quick in our hearts, you know, and physically. But, um, yeah, just where do you get your identity from? What... Do you realize how special you are? Um, how do you view yourself? Maybe that you're a lot prettier and worth a lot more than what you thought, you know? And uh, maybe you're a lot more of a sexual person than what you thought. Maybe, you know, you have a lot to offer, and it's, it's special, and it's wonderful. So, um, yeah, God made you sexy. He made you unique, and he made you beautiful. And um, it really isn't Victoria's Secret that makes you sexy. It, it's just, just who you are. Um, he created you, and you should appreciate that gift because sexuality is a gift from God. Um, so my first, I have three things I want us to take away from, from like, the night that I want you guys to remember. And these are things that are just on my heart a lot right now. First one is that you are a princess. Ah, you are a princess. And this is something that, as I talk to a lot of girls, I talk to a lot of young girls, and, like, I teach Sunday school and, like, junior high age, and I'm just amazed at how many girls just don't value themselves as being anything special. And I don't know really, like, where the lie came from. If you guys are buying what some, you know, 13-year-old or 14-year-old kid told you that you were ugly or rejected you at one time, and so you think you're not worth a lot or because your dad never told you, or I really don't know. You don't, maybe you're not, like, you know, I don't know. Who's a sex symbol? Some girl that's hot. I don't know. Maybe you're comparing yourself to her. But really, um, we need to view ourselves as princesses because, um, God is a king. He says our Lord, he's a king. And we are daughters of him, which makes us princesses, for real. We really are daughters of God. He calls us his daughters, which means we're princesses, because he's a king. And um, it's powerful if you can kind of get your mind around that, to understand your value, 
to understand that, you know, God says in his word that he knows how many hairs you have in your head. He knows everything about you. He knows your deepest desires and your greatest wants, and he uh, knows what that Prince Charming looks like in your head. He can see the mental picture, and he totally gets it, and he gets you, and he's so madly in love with you and, and just loves how he created you to be. And, and the Bible says that when you're in your mom's womb that he had every day of your life planned out and that he just delighted in seeing you be formed in your mom's womb and just watched you as you developed. And there's no man that could love you like that. It's powerful when you think about how much our Heavenly Father does love us. And so you're special, and nothing about you is a mistake. Whether you are, you know, too fat, too skinny, acne, whatever, too short, too tall, blah, 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 bad teeth, I don't care, whatever. I mean, you have BO, you sweat a lot. I don't know. Some girls do sweat a lot. Anyways, seriously, though, you, you're special, and he made you like that for a reason. And so I think that's just so much key to understand how much of a princess you are and to value yourself like that. You deserve to be treated like a princess. Don't take crap from people. Don't take crap from men. Who gets a knight in shining armor in the stories? Princesses do. That's right. They don't go for the girl, you know, like the barmaiden or whatever. There's always like the ugly stepsisters who are mean, and they wear those kind of frumpy clothes. I don't know. They get the princess. The prin- they go for the, the princess, the really pretty, amazing, aloof um, daughter of the king, you know, she's, no one gets her. Only the knight in shining armor gets her. And that's, that's how it is. That's what they go after. You guys got to demand that a man treats you with respect. I'm amazed at what you guys take, at what girls take from boys. It's crazy. It's ridiculous. Seriously, you have to think about how ticked off your knight would be at how a frog is treating you. If a guy's talking to you bad or if a guy's trying to take advantage of you or if a guy's making you feel like you're not worth a lot, think about, I don't know if I'm allowed to say this, think about how pissed your night would be. Because seriously, I think you'd be really mad. I mean, you need to think about that when a guy is like hitting on you and he's not treating you right. Because you are wasting your time with a lot of these guys that really are frogs and they're not really much of anything. And keep that prince. If you're a princess, God has a night for you. Really, he does. It's not a fantasy because God says he wants to give us the desires of our heart. And if you serve him and you put your life in line, in line with him, he's going to provide you that perfect man. He really will. That guy that's just everything you would have hoped for. He'll still be imperfect because all men are. He'll still make mistakes. But he's going to be everything that you could hope for. So that's the thing is that you, your night is coming. Think about him. You think he wants to roll in and you're making out with Frog? I don't think he's going to want to be with you after that. You've got to look at yourself as a princess, and you have to put a high price on yourself. And not just on yourself physically, not just on your body, but on how people treat you. You, just, you guys just take a lot of, lot of junk from people. You guys need more than that. Guys like challenges. Guys are task-oriented, and they like, uh, cha- they like to chase after someone. And it feels like a lot of girls are just kind of like please go out with me, please, I'm desperate, I just want a boyfriend so bad, and, oh, you know, you're, you're not my knight, but, you know, you're, you're good for right now, and you're still this, and you're still that, and it just seems like I see so many girls are so desperate to have somebody to make them happy, and it's so backwards and so just crazy. Guys like a girl that they don't really know what she's thinking, they haven't got her all figured out, 
you know, the girl that's the mystery, the girl that's kind of aloof or coy or whatever, I mean, hard to get. That's the chick that, you know, the, the princes and the uh, knights go after. They don't go after the easy girl that's just kind of like, please, go out with me. You know, guys like to work at a girl. It's totally part of their nature. They like to work at a lot of things in their lives. Um, sports, I mean, they like to train and discipline themselves and achieve goals. And they want to achieve a girl. They want to achieve that girl that's just amazing and beyond what they ever thought they could get. And um, A girl that kind of lays it out on the table and is calling them every night and texting them 50 times a day and, do you love me? Where are you at? What are you doing? I mean, it's desperate. And it's, you might be okay if you're putting out or if for the time being, but those guys aren't going to stick around. They won't, the girl that the, that's the challenge walks by and their heads are going to turn. I mean, plain and simple. Plain and simple. Definitely. When a guy gets married, someday, you find that one person who really means so much to you, your knight. guy gets married to a girl that doesn't get around. Even, this is take God out of it. Take the Bible out of it. Take Christianity out of it. Who, who means seriously? Secular world, normal people getting married, hooking up with people every single day. Who's the girl that gets taken home to the mom? Who's the girl who they look at and think, I want her to have my babies. I mean, it's, it's just not the girl who's with tons of different guys. It's plain and simple. It's not. Even guys who don't care about God, they still want a girl that's pure. They still want a girl that is, you know, a prize that they can brag about to their friends. I mean, guys want, when guys look at girls, this is how guys work. They look at her and they think, you know, is she someone that I can tell my friends are going to be, like, jealous of me about? They're going to be like, oh, she's so hot. How'd you ever get her? Oh, my gosh, you know. They want a girl they can brag about. No one brags about a girl who gets around. No one brags about a girl that, you know, is a bore. That's just don't. Plain and simple. So, I mean, you've got to respect yourself, and you've got to, you need to start viewing yourself as that. And um, the way that you see yourself is the way other people are going to treat you. If you start respecting yourself and you start looking at yourself as being valuable, then other people are going to start to treat you like that too. Um, in my Sunday school class on Sunday, it was really funny. We were talking about, like, what would your perfect world be like? And my kids love anything that's imagination, that they can be like, oh, in a perfect world, this would be like this. It was really weird. It was like all video games were free, and there was no war. Like, every single, it was so weird. I was like, hmm, is that your perfect world? Utopia. This week we're going to talk about utopia. Anyways, so, um, yeah, like the boys were saying flat screen TVs would be only 20 cents. And I, I tried to explain to them that, do you understand that if they were all only 20 cents, everyone would have them, and it wouldn't be valuable anymore. It would just be, like, not really worth that much. I mean, you know, there's that supply and demand and that cost. I mean, right? It's the same thing with anything. I mean, expensive cars are worth a lot of money, not because of the fact that they're necessarily made so much better. It's because of a name. A lot of things are labels, right? It's a lot of, because people perceive it to be a value, and they desire to have it, and so it's elusive, and it's something rare that very few people have. And, it, I mean, kind of totally the same with us. You're, m- the higher price you put on yourself, the more valuable you are, the more rare you are, um, the more that people are going to desire you. Um, please understand that I say this with, like, complete love. If you messed up and you've done stuff that um, you're not proud of, you know, God, God forgives us and he washes us. The Bible says white as snow, that our stains literally are washed away. So it's not like we mess up and we're done forever. Um, you're, you, you can be forgiven. So I don't want to make this sound like 
you know, throw in the towel if you, if you slept with a guy or throw in the towel, whatever. Don't do that because you're still worth something. It doesn't matter what mistakes we've done in our past. God gives us a fresh start all the time, and he uh, loves us, and he still sees us as being so valuable. And you, it doesn't matter what you did yesterday. It matters what you're doing today and what you're doing tomorrow. You've got to start, stand up for yourself, and demand that people respect you, even friends, right? Don't take crap from people. Don't let people push you around. Stand up for yourself. I mean, it's like Never Been Kissed. You know the movie Never Been Kissed? You guys see it with Drew Barrymore? She's nobody. Everything fun ever in school until her cool brother comes, and he's like, you just need one person to think you're cool, and everyone's going to think you're cool, and it's true. As soon as he started telling people that she was, like, she was actually worth something, everyone started treating her like she was amazing, and they all wanted to hang out with her. It's really honestly just an attitude. It's just how you look, view yourself is how the people are going to treat you. It's totally the truth. Cool really is um, self-confidence, and it's valuing yourself. So number two, number two rule. Your sexuality is a gift of power. Boy, is it so true. Girls have leveraged sex for, since the beginning of time. I think maybe, maybe Eve was so hot that she was like, oh, this apple is delicious or whatever. I don't know. We use our sex to get what we want. It is, a, it is power. I mean, and it's rightfully so. Sex is power for us as women. We can abuse it or we can use it to our benefit. But um, it's a gift. It's a gift that God gave you, and it is a source of power in your life. Women control sex, plain and simple. Um, we say yes or we say no. We have power over our sexuality like boys do not even understand. A lot of our sexuality is a decision. Even physically the way we're made, like when we're born, we're kind of given that to be like, like we're, we protect our sexuality. Even the way that um, our bodies are. After you have sex, you know, there's, there's skin. You guys kind of know. Um, but obviously, like after you have sex, you're not the same as before you had sex. And it's even like a physical reminder that we have with our bodies of um, protecting ourselves and saving ourselves and keeping ourselves special. And I think that's just kind of like a physical reminder that God even gave us that we really kind of control what happens. And, and we need to realize that um, and kind of leverage that power and understand what that means. Women lack uh, the kind of inopportune, un- just unfathomable amount of sexual desire that, um, and lust that men have and infects men, we lack it. We actually are able to kind of control it a lot more than men are. Um, you know, we've all heard that men think about sex once a minute, um, up to once a minute. It's true. Men think about sex constantly, and girls think about sex so much less than that. Guys are driven by it. Uh, it's like their driving force in life. I mean, it's so much part of our society. Like, a, guy, a pretty girl walks by, and like every guy's head turns. A hot guy walks in the room, and girls check him out, but we don't have to. But it's like guys, literally, they're like, magnet. I mean, no, really. Even with anything, guys are so visual. It's crazy. Like, if you go to, a, like, a restaurant, and there's a TV, you just watch a guy. It's comical. You just can't stop looking because they're so visual. You know, guys are all about what they see, but sex is just so much part of guys. I mean, just... You can't even, you can't fathom as girls. I can't fathom. I try, that's one of my questions maybe. You know, you you can't, you think about like when you're most tempted sexually, that's probably how a guy is every day of his life. I mean, really, think about that. Like when you're the most, whatever, turned on by a guy, or you're, oh, you know, sex, it's on your head. That's how a guy is every single day of his life, every minute of his life. Once a minute. Once a minute, that's 60 times. 60 times in an hour you think about sex. How is that possible? I can't fathom it. 
I can try to say anything about sex, but like, but like once a minute, every thought is sexual. That's crazy. We don't understand them. They're very different than us, and it's, it's kind of hard to understand that. But our sexuality is very different. We have the power to control ourselves, unlike uh, most guys do. Um, men are driven towards sex in ways that we just merely decide. We decide a lot about sex, and men are just bleh, driven towards it. They can't control themselves. In general, women can usually live more easily without sexual intimacy. And although that's true, our um, experience of sex is usually longer and more satisfying than men's. And this is kind of cool. I read a book and um, had this quote. I loved it. It says, men are sexual dots. Women are sexual lines. Men are sexual moments. Women are sexual minutes. Men erupt and women are fanned into flame. And it's so true. I mean, our sexuality is just so different than men. And um, we complement each other really nicely. And it's it's interesting how men's uh, sexual desire just drive them so much. And, but our sexuality is kind of more all-encompassing. Like, sex with us really does start in our minds. It's so much more, like, mental and emotional. And it's, like, not just about the actual act. It's all about the, you know, person and the connection. And I mean, that's why guys, like, pornography so much because you can just look at a picture and that's fine for them and it's done over with okay moving on girls are just it's all this whole big you know story and it has to be this connection and this person that cares about me and you know i mean you guys all know that's that's how you're made i mean right george gilder suggests um a key force in society that transforms immature men into mature men is um women's sexual self-control um, the power of us to wait. We can wait. It's amazing. He says, The man may push and posture, but the woman must decide. He is driven, but she must set the terms and conditions, the goal and destinations of the journey. It is up to us to kind of decide what stage we are at in the relationship and where are we going and what are our goals. And, and yeah, I mean, guys will push, but it's up to you to kind of make that decision. Men are supposed to work to win our hearts. It's the principle of how things work. Our power to wait is what causes men to fight for us and to work for us since the beginning of time. I mean, men have pined after women that they couldn't have, and they wrote songs about it, about just desiring women so much. And it's, it's our power, our power to wait, our power of our modesty and our power of chastity over men. It's a, it's a gift that we've been given. Um, Shakespeare said, she is beautiful and therefore to be wooed. She is woman and therefore to be won. It's innate in men to work, to work at a woman, to fight for her, to win her with everything that he has. I mean, that's romance. Who wants a guy that you have to convince to like you? Who wants a guy that you have to pursue, that you have to call, that you have to wonder if he likes you? No one wants that. Everyone wants a guy who's madly in love with you, who thinks that you're the most beautiful woman on earth, who is intoxicated by your very smell of your hair and by everything about you and that just desires you so much and just thinks you're amazing. I mean, that would, like, put his coat down on the rainy road and let you walk on it so you don't wreck your shoes. I don't know. That's what we all want. I mean, that's... We don't want someone to accept us or to settle for us. We want someone to think that you are everything amazing in life and you just... His life was nothing before he met you, and you just, you're amazing. I and mean, that's what, guys want to fight for it, too. Guys do want that. It's so true. 
It's a principle of life, I think, that God set in motion, that certain things come to men only by working and to women only by waiting. And it's, it's something that um, I really believe after just from talking to people and from seeing the scripture, that it's a principle of life that we can kind of like set our watches to. We women have to learn to wait. Men have to learn to work. It's how God does it. It even happens, um, even when we talk about uh, like actually having sex, well, the, how, we all, how we reach orgasm, uh, husbands reach orgasm by working and women by relaxing, by waiting, kind of shutting things down. That's how it actually happens. And it's, it's true when we have sex and it's true at the start of relationships too where we see sex as kind of like the um, consummation of love. It's, kind of, it's the time when we like celebrate our love and when it's fulfilled and at the foundation it's the same principle in how we relate to each other. A man should fight to pursue you. You should never pursue a man. Never. Okay, I'm going to say it again. You should never pursue a man. People tell you to ask out guys. Totally not true. Don't do it. You're going to end up with heartbreak. You'll end up, even if you convince him to like you, don't pursue a man. You'll be disappointed for the rest of your life that you, you did it. A guy, if a guy likes you, he's going to call you. Um, there's a book. It was written a long time ago, but it's called The Rules, and it's pretty crazy, but it's kind of funny, too, and there's a lot of truth in it. I've never read it before, but I've heard a lot about it. And so I, put, I went on Wikipedia, and I got some of the rules. And um, I think some of them are two principles. And so, Gina, if you want to put those up. These are some rules that these women in this book wrote for girls that we should try to follow. Don't talk to a man first, and don't ask him to dance. Don't stare at men or talk too much. Don't meet him halfway or go Dutch on a date. Don't call him and rarely return his calls. Always end phone calls and dates first. Don't accept a Saturday night date after Wednesday. Well, these are good principles. These are, they're good. Dutch is when someone says you're going to go Dutch, it means that you pay for your half of the meal. You split it evenly. Yeah. If someone ever asks you to go out, you know, if you go Dutch, it just means that you're paying for your half. <laughs> Culver's? No. Like young people? See, that's a girl that's stupid. If, you, if, if you're paying, for, let, me t- let me tell you something plain and simple. If you're paying for your food when you're this age, what's going to be like when you get older? That's scary. Or if you're paying, if you're, no way, Jose. If you're not having sex with a guy and he's not doing these nice things for you before you've had sex with him, think about what he's going to be like after you have sex with you. I mean, the milk and the cow illustration is true. I think these are great. I think a lot of these are really great. Don't play games. I mean, I, I'm not saying, like, play games with guys and, you know, string them along and, oh, you know, always end phone calls. You'll be like, okay, gotta go, bye. <laughs> How'd end it? But, I mean, the, in principle, it's good because this is, these are things that keep a man interested. Men like a chase, like I said. I mean, it's just not making it easy. You know, it's just not giving it all up right away, you know, and just, you're, it's like poker when you, you know, you play your hand. I mean, you play the hand you've been given. You don't have to give it all up for a guy right away. This has to do with respecting yourself and with, like, loving yourself and not just expecting a man to work at you. You're worth it. You're worth a man working for you. It's, it's kind of, you know, dumb. The rules actually do serve uh, a way to protect you from getting your heart broke, from getting emotionally hurt, um, as well as physically. 
I think the rules are pretty smart. The rules also protect you from men with wrong intentions. They put you in control. That's why I think I kind of like them. It's because it puts girls back in control of their sexuality. And you're not suddenly a pawn in a man's sexual chess game. You actually have control over yourself and over him. And it's great. We bring out the best in men by our modesty and our chastity. I think it's a gift that we have, the power that we have, where we can really make men succeed by being modest and by being um, chaste, by protecting, not just giving it all up. I think it's how we, we can, like I said, it's how we mature men, and we, we make men move forward in their lives and in understanding, because otherwise, I mean, guys are just scatterbrained. Girls are always thinking about the future and what's next, and guys are just day-to-day. I mean, they don't think like that. It's just how guys work. So it's a way that we make men kind of mature and, and think about things. A man with wrong intentions will go elsewhere when you don't meet his sexual needs. Um, predators will leave within a couple of days. A guy with wrong intentions will leave within a couple of months. And only the good guys will stick around and wait it out for you. And it does happen all the time. There are wonderful guys who will wait it out. Sometimes guys are just immature. Especially at your guys' age, you're going to meet a lot of guys who are immature and obviously aren't ready to commit to you or settle down with you or provide you with everything you need. I mean, that's, that's not the kind of guys you're running into. But by waiting, by holding back on that, well, one, I mean, you do keep them interested, and you're still that mystery and that interesting person to them. But also, uh, you're kind of forcing that immature man to kind of take stock of his life and think about things and where they're going, especially when you guys get out of high school and you kind of will be dealing with these awkward in-between being an adult and not an adult relationships. Um, a guy that has good intentions, that's just immature, he's going to basically think about things and, and he'll, he'll kind of want to ask you um, what the terms and conditions are in which he can change your no into a yes. What do I have to do to get her to say yes to me? And obviously, if that's marriage or if that's, you know, whatever, and we hope it's marriage because that's what God says. Um, or just even being a provider. He'll, you know, what do I have to do to get her to say yes to me? When a guy falls in love, when he falls for a girl, he'll do anything for her. He'll work for her. He'll fight for her. He'll crawl through glass, and he'll go across the oceans. He'll climb mountains. He'll do anything he can to win her love. And um, in the Bible, there's a story about a man named Jacob, and he uh, saw a girl that was love at first sight. Her name was Rachel. And he instantly was deeply, madly enamored with her and in love with her. And they had a brief little kiss. And she said, well... You have to try to get my father's approval to win my heart. And he, her, her dad was a jerk. Like, seriously, if I was Rachel, I would have stole away in the middle of the night with all my belongings and went and eloped. Um, but they didn't. And Jacob was a wonderful, responsible, amazing man. And so her, her dad said, if you want my daughter, you're going to have to work for her for seven years. And literally, Jacob moved onto their farm, onto their property, and he worked for her dad for seven years to get her and put up with all the temptation and all the desire and all of the fight, I mean, seven years. Some of you guys, yes? Sure. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, he did. Yes, and I don't know, I I think he actually gave gave her to him, but he still had to fulfill that 14 years. Like, he ended up, they were able to do it and get married, like, within the, the seven years or whatever. But, yeah, it, it wasn't all happy endings. But 
Jacob deeply loved her even to his death. I mean, from the moment he saw her to when she died, even though he had other wives and, like, because they got tricked into it and everything, like, she was so special to him that he, when she died, he literally stopped everything. They were traveling, and he mourned her for, it says how much he mourned her, and the Bible describes him just this deep love he had for her. And that's that true love. I mean, they practice polygamy in the Bible and a lot of the Old Testament. It's totally not approved by God. I mean, it happened. God didn't approve of it. But you can see that, like, how he was meant for her, and he just loved her so much. And so he worked. People will do that. we got to go for men of character. Joseph proved. Uh, Jacob proved. And uh, Joseph, too. Joseph was an awesome man. The Bible describes him as being um, a stud. He was young and hot and cut, like, awesomely abs, six-pack, maybe more. I don't know. The Bible describes him, though, as being seriously a knockout. And he um, was such a godly man that, like, he was working for this rich old guy, and, of course, he had a, you know, a hot wife, Potiphar's wife, and she tried constantly seducing Joseph and putting the news on him. And it would have been so easy for him as a man. Like, we kind of have this um, Hollywood describes men as not being able to control themselves and just kind of giving in, and boys will be boys and all this stuff. But um, he seriously could have given in any of those days when he was working for him, and he constantly pushed her away and was like, no, it would be, it would be a sin against God and against you know, Potiphar, which is my master. I can't do it. And so she finally, like, framed him for rape. She basically was so mad that she, like a stupid girl, you know, like we do, we get mad and try to seek revenge. Um, so she, she tried framing him for rape. But he was so godly and so amazing. Yes, when we find a man who is uh, worthy of us and that will work for us, there is, then we can, are free to express ourselves sexually and to embrace all of our sexuality. And the, there's a whole book in the Bible about that, which is Song of Songs. And it just describes these newly um, married couple, and they're just delighting in their sexual experiences, and they're talking graphically about, you know, everything they're doing. And, um, and yeah, I mean, it's wonderful, and it's kind of hard to read, you know. If you're, if you're not married, you're like, okay, whatever, scary. But, um, yeah, so we're able to really express ourselves sexually and just embrace it. So it, you can just see this joy of intimacy with no remorse, no uh, past memories of sexual experiences and past partners, and there's none of this cloud over it. Uh, it's just all joy and, and so much happiness. Um, like Adam and Eve, you can imagine Adam and Eve with, you know, the, you kind of get this idea of, of Eden being just this sexual freedom and they're naked and they're not ashamed and they just are enjoying each other the whole time because there's just no hurt and there's, you know, there's nothing over that. You should be able to say yes to a man with fearless sexual abandon. You should be able to have a man that, you know, you can trust and that is there for you, with no hesitation, give yourself totally to that guy. No, mm, not sure, no, I don't know if I should, no, none of that kind of stuff. You should be able just to completely give yourself to the guy and be like, that's the way it's supposed to be, that's the way God designed it. That we could, as women, just completely feel safe and just do whatever with a guy and be totally happy with it because you know that he's still going to be there for you and that he's committed to you. Um, intimacy is a reward of commitment. The level of intimacy that we give someone should match the level of commitment they've given us. You know, whether it's hand-holding or if it's going all the way, the level of commitment should match our intimacy level. You don't, if you value yourself, you're not throwing your intimacy out there for someone who's never committed to you, who's never laid down anything for you. That's, that's, not, what, that's not the kind of person that I want someday in my life. Kisses were never supposed to make us cry. We were never supposed to wake up and be sad about uh, a breakup and an experience that hurt us. It was never supposed to happen. Um, all of our sexuality is supposed to be between someone that you marry and someone that you are, you're knight, you're, d- you're deeply in love with, and you're supposed to 
It's supposed to be a secret, wonderful thing between just you two, that secrets, things that only you two know because they're just between you two. No one else has had that part. No one knows that part of your husband, and no one in your husband can know that no one's ever seen that part of you, uh, you know, and understood who you are sexually. It's, it's a gift that you give somebody when you get married, and it's, it's awesome. But our sexuality is power. Um, we can use it for a tool to help men be better, or we can use it as a weapon to destroy men, and many women do. Um, we lead boys on, we dress provocatively, we cause temptation in men all the time, and I don't, I don't have time to focus on that, but yeah, um, we're constantly kind of, we, we do things to really like lure men in ways that are bad a lot of times, and we need to really guard ourselves, cause just remember, once a minute, <laughs> they think about sex, so, whew, you know, geez, that's scary enough as it is, but then if you're throwing it all out there. I mean, I see a lot of girls walk in, and I'm not, I'm not judging anybody, because whatever. But I mean, you know, a lot of girls, they got it all out there for everybody to see, and it's all, uh, and everything, and they're walking around, and they stick their chests out, and they're, they kind of throw themselves, you know, out there to get male attention, because it makes us feel good. And um, if, if you, you, know, and you hear the same type of girls, oh, I, all, jerks are always attracting me, and I have so many guys that are always trying to hit on me, and they're just, they're jerks and everything, but, you know, um, maybe if you're attracting the wrong kind of guy, it's because you're fishing with the wrong kind of bait. Good guys like Jacob and Joseph are going to be attracted to girls that are princesses that are that hard to get girl, not after, um, you know, that girl that's throwing it all out there. So um, we have to be careful with that. Um, and men are supposed to protect us as well. And our emotions, they should be protecting us. Physically, they should be protecting us. Men are protectors, and um, so just throwing that out there as well. Um, point number three, quickly. If you travel down the same road as everyone else, you're going to end up at the same destination. Yeah. My opinion on this probably will have to be talked about more at depth. You can talk to me personally about this. But Americans are getting married later in life with less success. Um, we're a product of divorce and everything. If you want something different than what everyone else has, you've got to do something different to get there. Um, what's normal is... In America, you, a lot of you guys probably would say, well, what, how, I, how I do dating isn't normal. No, it's not normal. It's totally not. I don't want normal. Normal in America is divorce. Normal in America is debt. What's normal in America is being overweight. All these things are normal. It doesn't make them right or beneficial or good for us. Um, so that's also how I view dating. And I don't necessarily do it's normal. Um, I don't personally date, as we say. I don't go out with dates with guys that I just casually like. I kind of do things a little bit different. So it's not normal not to date. But God calls us not to be normal in his word. In Romans, it talks about not um, copying the behaviors and customs of the world. And, and I have lots of scripture verses that could back that up. It may seem foolish. A lot of God's things do seem foolish to us, in the wor- to people in the world. They always do. Dating is a new concept. It's only been around for, co- for just recently, a couple hundred years Dating was never done like that um, for thousands and thousands of years, depending on how old you think the world is. Um, it was always done in a different context, which was uh, more so protecting to women. Women were more valued. Um, we weren't kind of thrown out there to be like, just like a little minnow in a stream full of sharks. So yeah, it is a little bit different. Dating is risky. We see kind of like what happens when people get involved. You see friends that start being uh, start dating, and you get wrapped up in a person, and you emotionally get hurt. You see um, people sexually uh, getting taken advantage of. 
obviously teen pregnancy, it all comes from dating, you know, they never had any of that stuff years ago because purity was just a given. You, if you had sex before marriage, you weren't worth anything and no one would marry you. Um, so, I mean, that, you know, plain and simple, pregnancy, disease, the list goes on and on. Um, yeah, so I don't, I don't date, and I can tell you more about how I came to that, because believe me, my whole life I did date. When I was a teenager, I dated um, from the time all the way up through. God changed my heart on that in 2004, so I'm a baby to not dating. When I, up through 2004, I totally was cool with it, and I didn't think there was anything wrong with it. And I fought tooth and nail against people that did believe the dating was wrong, and I told them that they were stupid, and I didn't care what they wanted to do because I'm going to do what I wanted to do. And God really changed my heart, so I could share that with you. But um, I've been through boyfriends, and I've been through so much of that stuff, and I've experienced all that, and I can see how it's not right. And I've been doing this for this long, and um, I know God's going to bring me my night, so it's going to happen. A couple things that are just absolutely 100% not okay with God is um, we're not supposed to be united with unbelievers, no matter what, whether you are attracted to an, uh, someone. If you, if you profess to be a Christian, I mean, all this is in the context of Christianity, obviously. I mean, if you don't believe this, if you don't understand, if you, God isn't your number one in your life, if you don't, haven't had a really understood Jesus and what he did for you and, and apply this, then, I mean, I'm just telling you, these rules are good just for, are for getting through life being unhurt, most protected, but, yeah, all this is in the context of Christianity. If you're a believer, then you, we are not to be united with an unbeliever. It's plain and simple in Scripture. It's 2 Corinthians 6, 14 through 15. Do not yoke yourself with an unbeliever. The Bible talks about it constantly. God constantly says, do not intermarry with people who do not believe. Constantly. You get involved with somebody, and you're setting yourself for nothing but heartache. In, I, story after story after story, I know people. I've been there, and it's, it's the most important thing and you, you can't get around it. You can make excuses. You can try to, it won't, it will not work. And God says no. God knows what's best for us. Sometimes he's like a dad with rules. And the rules really are there to help us, but sometimes it feels like they're bad rules, but it's a good rule. Um, we must look for someone who's passionate about Jesus. If you're looking for uh, Jacob, you have to look for someone that's passionate about Christ, not just someone who calls himself a Christian. I mean, unless you're one of those people that just calls yourself a Christian. Because you're, that's just, it's not happening. You know what? There isn't a lot of godly men, but they're out there, and God will bring you the right person at the right time. You're going to know someone's passionate about Christ within half an hour meeting them because people talk about what they love. And you notice when I'm having a conversation with someone, I keep steering the conversation towards things that I really enjoy. I'll start talking about music. I'll start talking about art. I'll talk about something I saw, you know, something I read, because those are things that I really enjoy. So I naturally, talk, when I meet someone new, I talk about things I know and things I love to talk about, and I hope that they have things in common with me. And so someone who loves Jesus, who loves Christ, within half an hour meeting him, plain and simple, you're going to know whether or not they're passionate about God. The conversation's going to be there, and um, they're going to talk about it. Um, our sexuality is in our minds, first and foremost. That's where it, be, that's where it begins. We have to embrace our sexuality. And um, a couple other final thoughts. Purity is not a line that we cross. It's a direction that we're going in. I know it's an oldie but a goodie. Truly, we're talking about purity, and it, it really is a heart thing, and it's a mind thing. It's not so much a body thing. It's, it's, our sexuality is so much more than, obviously, penis, penis, vagina, in and out, in and out. It's not, I mean, obviously, you know, that's not what it is. I mean, it comes down to so much more than that, and so much of it is our hearts. Um, so if we're thinking about putting a standard on ourselves or a high price on ourselves and valuing ourselves and trying to be pure, which is what God's standard is, is purity, because God's standard is, is perfection, yeah, it's not a line that we cross, it's a direction that we go in. The question isn't how much can I do and still be pure, you know? It's not just, well, now I'm impure because I did this. It really is, your, it's where you're going in. And they're two separate things. 
So I remember having that thought all the time when I was a teenager. Well, I'm going to do everything but this when I, you know, before I get married, because um, I'll still be okay with God, whatever. And it's that's that's not it. You know what I mean? God's never concerned about that. He's concerned about our heart attitude. So um, it's not what we can get away with, but it's it's where we're going, what direction we're in. Um, you got to decide your standards, and you got to decide what your lines are in your life before you get in those tough situations. Um, you'll never make the right decision in the back seat of the car. You'll, you can't have that talk with a boy when you are in there in the heat of the moment. That's when everybody falls. You have to make those decisions and talk about those things long before, way back at the beginning of things, and get those things right on the table and talk, talk about all that stuff because um, if you wait to that moment, you're not going to be strong enough to resist temptation. It's not going to happen. Really quick, just to end this, Say I was married, okay? This is like a little example. Say I was married, and um, my husband was away somewhere. And so another guy, like, came in after tonight, and one of the guys downstairs talking about sex, and he was like, oh, we started talking. We had a lot in common. And so he's like, want to go out? I was like, yeah. And so we went back to our house or whatever, and so then we um, started fooling around. Anyways, we, we ended up having sex, so we're just having sex. How many of you guys think that would be okay for me to do that on my husband? you guys think it would be okay for me to have sex with another guy while my husband is away on business? No. No one thinks that's okay because I'm married, right? That's wrong. Um, okay, how about if we just, we do everything but sex, you know, we play like the um, twister, right hand, blues, whatever. You know what I'm saying? We touch everywhere. We do all this kind of stuff, but we don't actually have sex, everything but sex. Um, do you guys think that would be okay if I did that with some guy? then maybe we'll just make out, you know, kissing. We'll just, we'll just make out from time to time while my husband is away. Still not okay. Um, how about if I just have this deep emotional attachment to this guy and, you know, while my husband's away, you know, we just have these long phone calls and we, we talk about all of our desires and our needs and I, t- I share with him my plans for my future and my, my, all the secrets in my life, you know. Would that be okay if I did that with a guy? No one thinks no one thinks that's okay? Okay. Why would you say that that's wrong? Why would it be wrong for me to do any of those things with a guy that's, you know, why? Yes. Yep, you. Right, because those things are appropriate. You know, you're married. Those things are appropriate only between you and your husband because you got, you're married. You know, that would be wrong of me to, to go off and have this with some other guy. So... I guess my question is then, if it's wrong for me to do those things, if I'm married, for married people to have those types of relationships outside of it, then how is it right for single people to do the same things outside of marriage? You know, maybe that's something that you, maybe that's a different way of looking at it that you've never thought of before. That if it's wrong for people who are married to do those types of things outside of marriage, then how is it right if we're single, if we haven't got married yet, to do those things outside of marriage? Because ultimately, we all have Prince Charming. We all have that person. And um, until we're with that person, we're destined to be with them. And God designed all, this, all of our sexuality for the context of marriage. And there's a gift, a gift of power, and what makes, us, what makes us special, and it's something that's unique about us. If we're giving it away even emotionally, those talks that are really just supposed to be for our prince. We're, we're, we're giving away part of our gift, and we're 
we're cheapening it and we're really having an affair on our princes someday. We're already having an affair on our husbands. And it's setting us up for failure and it's setting us up for divorce and for attitudes in marriage that are, that are wrong. And pray to God that you're, pray for your prince charming that he's doing the same thing, that he's protecting himself. Because if you think about any guy that you're sharing that with, that's someone else's prince that you're taking those from. Think about that. If that was your prince charming and some girl's talking dirty to him on the phone or some girl's telling him all this stuff and they're making out and he's feeling her up and everything. I mean, seriously, it would tick you off if that's your, your special some guy someday and he's doing that with some other girl. I mean, I'm just saying, you got to think about it like that too. That's someone else's prince that you're stealing from. Yes, Rebecca. Absolutely, that he just threw it away and that he was willing to just give in to temptation. Because it's hard. I mean, the thing is, it's hard. It is not an easy road. Seriously, I give props to anybody that's, that's saving themselves, that's protecting their sexuality, because it is difficult. It is thrown at you constantly. And there are times when you feel lonely. I mean, I'm 23. I would love to meet the man of my dreams. I love for my Prince Charming to come and sweep me off my feet. Totally would love it. I would love to have sex. Really, I'm 23. I'd love to have sex. It's tough waiting, but I know that God's going to bless me and he's going to give me the best. Obviously, there's so much more to talk about here, and there's, you know, we could go down roads. I mean, there's tons, and I, we're going to talk more about it in the next three weeks. We're going to go through tons more stuff. Any questions you have or whatever, you can talk to me after uh, service, or we could talk next week. We'll have more time for discussion. Really pray. A couple things. I have some resources of some online resources and some other things, some books and stuff that I really believe in that are great. You can talk to me about that and um, some podcasts that are really cool. I've heard preachers talk about sex for, for reference. And I'm, I'm going to try to get it together for you guys next week. Thank you for listening to me and letting me share a couple of things that have been on my heart that I really feel strongly about. Most important thing I want you to take away from anything tonight is that if you messed up, God will forgive you and you can have a fresh start with him. And um, also that you're worth something, that God has such a plan for you and he thinks you're so special. And don't throw it away at some guy who is a frog that's not going to be there long term. Go for a guy that's going to work for you, that's going to protect you, that's going to fight for you. Wait for that guy. You know, he's going to come and sweep you off your feet. It's a good dream to have, and it's, it's something that God put in our hearts. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, I just thank you, Lord, for this night. I thank you, Jesus, for how awesome you are and for the way, God, that you have just spoken, Jesus, um, to me about my own sexuality and the way, Jesus, that you've helped um, us to just really embrace and learn and know who we are supposed to be as women and what our sexuality is and how we define that. I just pray, Lord, for every single girl in this room. I pray, Jesus, that um, you would just show them, Jesus, right now that they are loved, they are special, and that they are unique, that their sexuality is a gift that is just theirs, Lord, that um, it is something that they choose, that they decide to give away, and that they should choose to give it to the right man at the right time and a man that's worthy. I just pray for them, God, that they would be strong to resist temptation. I pray that they would be strong, Lord, to demand people respect them and to demand that men respect them. And I ask Jesus that they would just know that you love them so, so much, and they are worth so, so much, and that no one's made any mistakes, Lord, that makes them unvaluable to you, that no one has messed up, that you won't forgive them, and that you don't still love them as true princesses, as true daughters of yours. Um, because you, Jesus, just want to forgive and want to just welcome us back into your arms. And I just pray, Lord, that that would be something that these girls would know. I pray, Lord, for their future Prince Charmings, for their husbands, Lord, someday that are going to come into their lives, that they would also wait. And I pray, Jesus, that um, you would help them to keep in mind their, their future Prince Charmings, Lord, 
and let them know, let them have a peace inside of themselves to know that they're coming for them and that those will be men that will fight for them and will work for them and will wait for them, Jesus. And I just pray that you would help us, Lord, to not buy into what society tells us our sexuality is supposed to be and to not buy into the lie, Jesus, that um, we'll be happier just having all this attention and just kind of putting it all out there and experimenting. I pray, Lord, that we would realize that true happiness does come from uh, one man um, who really does care about us in the safety, Lord, of knowing that person is committed to us for life. And um, we're just thankful, Jesus, for how awesome you are and for the fact that you show us, Lord, better way. Maybe not a normal way, but a better way. And um, I just pray, Lord, that next three weeks would be awesome, that we would learn so much, and that you would just fill our times, Lord. And we just give you praise in your name. Amen.